This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone. Today, I get to talk to Alex Nicholson, who's the director of social media at Pegasystems. That's where she leads B2B marketing efforts at a global scale. But her start was a little different than leading B2B marketing. In fact, her start involved promoting and having a lot of fun at raves. You're going to hear a non-traditional story with incredible results. Take a listen. Welcome, Alex, to the show. Hi, Carrie. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to have you here. And really, I start off my interviews almost always the exact same way because I find the answers to be so different and so fascinating. Alex, I want to know the story of your career. Give me your whole trajectory. All right. So I was a little bit of a lost soul in my early years, and I really liked going to raves. And I know that's not the traditional way that a PR or social media story starts, but I ended up promoting them. And I liked doing the event work. I liked doing the legwork. I liked meeting people. So I got a job at Tower Records. And this oh, was when, <laughs> when so people still bought oh, records. <laughs> okay, let's educate Tower Records for those who no longer know Tower Records, which is really a trap. So Tower Records, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Empire Records. It was just like that. Um, and you could pretty much do whatever you wanted at work. And I was the assistant to the general manager. What was interesting was at the time, they were selling so many records and CDs that the annual bonus for a Tower Records manager was a Porsche. Like they would actually give them a Porsche in 1996. Amazing. So um, I was, you know, managing a record store. I was promoting a lot of their events, bringing in musicians, bringing in DJs. And I, I just liked the work. Um, I appreciated seeing like local record sales go up. I liked kind of getting my face out there. So I got a job with a PR firm that did two things. They did uh, PR for hospice and palliative care. And then they also threw the Virginia Wine Festival. Wow. That's a range. What I loved about the work, though, was, again, this this kind of big event experience. Um, and then on the side, I actually started really enjoying doing some of this more public affairs, kind of wonkier, um, smarter PR work. I didn't really know much about PR because I hadn't actually gone to college yet. Yep. Uh, so I was an office manager. I was a receptionist. And I started actually moving into the account teams and supporting clients. From there, I just got lucky. I started applying for a bunch of jobs. And I went to this place called... NGS. And I didn't know what NGS was, but I knew I had a job interview. So I went to my job interview only to walk into the National Geographic Society. Wow. And you had no idea? <laughs> no idea. I was like, I just applied for this thing called NGS.org. This is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm this, uh, 
you know, kind of like ex-rave promoter who still doesn't quite have all their stuff together, walking into National Geographic completely unprepared for an interview. And I got the job. Um, And I ended up becoming the executive assistant for the head of publicity for National Geographic Television. And then while I was there, we ended up merging um, with the society. And I started doing everything from children's book PR work to doing TV listings to promoting IMAX feature films. And then at the end of my time there, I was actually the lead for our world music uh, label and website. And then our film festivals and pretty much anything that was like a global announcement that happened at the National Geographic headquarters, I was the the lead publicist on. So it was a lot of fun. Wow. Now, was this all still pre-college? Yeah. So while I, I was this. while I was there, my boss, the woman who hired me and who I I really you know I still remain in touch with, she pulled me aside and she says, you know, you only have so far that you're going to be able to go here yeah. without having a degree. So, you know, we're going to continue to rewrite job descriptions for you so that you can advance in the organization. But when you leave, you're not going to have that protection anymore. So I started going back to school. Uh, I was paying for it myself. I went to uh, UDC, which is like a local school, just to get my credits back in. And then I ended up switching to University of Maryland. They have a fantastic online program because I just I was never really good at going to class as like my high school years proven. (laughs) So I found a lot of, you know, self-motivation of just doing it myself. And I kind of continued on that trajectory. I ended up getting my bachelor's in 2009. I have very little um, student loan debt, which is amazing. And I love telling people, you know, figure out what you want to do before you really fully commit all of your resources and your family's resources into something that may or may not make you happy. See, I love this story. And especially now uh, when people are taking a a much deeper look at kind of the investment in higher ed and, and, you know, what is the return and how I like that you took time before you did it and you did it at your own pace and around the the actual learning. Like I, I just, I, I don't know how necessary. I always think about this. I talk about this all the time. It's like, how necessary is it? Is it necessary because it's a piece of paper? Is it necessary because of learning or is it really necessary, um, in terms of your growth and in all of these things? It's, it's fascinating your story. I think also when you're in a nebulous field like communications or public relations, like you don't know what that is when you're 18 or 19. Totally. Um, So you're not going to actually select it. You're going to pick something else. And then you're going to end up being one of those people who at like 24, 25, 26, you're you're in your first or second job and you hate it. And then you switch gears. And I, I was actually really able to kind of emerge and come through the communications field and say, actually, this is exactly what I want to do. And, you know, was able to understand the coursework much easier. You know, school was actually really pleasant for me because I'd already decided like, this is it. And so Nat Geo was amazing. I don't have enough um, good things to say about those folks. Um, But I wanted to leave. I wanted to work in tech. So I went to a tech PR firm and I spent six entire months there. Wow. Um, And realized I don't necessarily want to work in tech in this construct it was really tough having tech clients and startup yeah. clients I didn't yeah. I didn't much enjoy them yeah. so I got a job at USA Today I saw they had an opening uh, for a PR manager and I just went over there and my best background in media was appealing it was a great fit it was USA Today's 25th anniversary um, the woman who was hiring me was going on maternity leave in three weeks so it all moved or three months rather it all worked really quickly and 
Um, I was on, you know, private jets with the founder of the paper and the publisher and the editor for two months, you know, right off the bat, had a ton of fun. But this was pre the breakdown of of print. We kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. I started there in, in 2007. Yeah. You know, while I was there, you know, 2007, that's when Facebook became open to the public. Yeah. Um, 2008, that's when the economy collapsed. So all of this stuff started to happen. It was moving us into a fully digital spectrum. And I'd always been an early adopter. I'd always been pushing blog programs and, and web-based programs. So when the opportunity kind of came around, I was like, look, we need a Facebook page. You know, we need to be doing these things. And in, in 2008, it was a lot of... Um, you know, just do it and get for forgiveness later mentality in the social space. So one day I just set up facebook.com slash USA Today just to have it. And I think by default, I ended up owning the, yeah. the strategy on social totally. for the company. Totally. And I know you were the first social media strategist for them, right? I mean, they, the, yes. the original, the OG. Yes, I was. Uh, Me and a, a colleague named Brian Drescher, who he went on to, to Mashable and now he's at the Daily Dot. Um, he was really focused on kind of digital partners. And I was really focused on the content. And, you know, we needed the two-person team because we ended up training 140 print journalists in a year on how to get on Twitter, which was a beast. And a lot of them just didn't want to do it. Uh, (laughs) So it was good to have two different people, two different styles and different approaches because where I couldn't succeed, he could and, you know, vice versa. And then so from USA Today, then when did you decide it was time to go? I met a boy. <gasps> a boy! Uh, <laughs> you know, that's how you make professional decisions nowadays. No, I uh, I met someone who's now my husband, and oh. he's from New England. So I said, you know, I've been in D.C. a long time. I don't want to work in government. Um I've kind of run out of options on the media side, and print is, is not doing so hot. Um, so I found a role at a really well-known cause marketing, sustainability PR, and brand communications agency called Cone Communications. Um, They've been doing cause marketing and cause branding for 30-plus years, really kind of invented the field, and had an awesome, you know, four-plus year run with them, developing digital and social strategies for companies like Nestle, for the USO, for General Mills, uh, UPS, and really kind of got to, to hone my skills in really different ways across different brands. Because I'd been so focused on the media industry, I really wanted to take those skills and actually start to implement them in ways that touch consumers and ways that you could actually raise funds and drive awareness. So amazing run there and learned a lot. That's incredible. And so you got a lot of experience working with lots of different types of brands, it looks like. Yeah. And I from that, I kind of figured out what I wanted to do more of and what I, you know, would never ever want to do again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and That's important. And agencies, you learn that a lot because you get to touch lots of different types of, of clients and, and decide what, what's the right fit for you versus what's not. Exactly. And, you know, what I learned in that time was that I wanted to be channel specific. You know, I can do PR and I can do events and I can do any number of things, but I love social. Um, so as I kind of started to, to continue to progress in the agency, other opportunities came on, but they took me further and further away from social. And I was like, I don't think I'm done here yet. I really want to yeah. get back to communicating content, communicating ideas in really simple ways. I like playing in the tools. I like looking at, at social insights. I like data. Um, so I really wanted to kind of 
remove myself, really entrench deeply full-time social again. And, you know, this was when I, I thought back to the fact that one day I said I wanted to be in tech and my first run didn't necessarily work. Um, I found the right place. You know, I'm at a, a new company called Pega Systems. Well, the company's not new, but the role is new. Yeah. And and from there, you know, I've been able to to really help them understand how do you use social in a B2B environment. And B2B is like a total, total, like different type yes. of beast than what I've been doing in the past. So it's been fun to learn it all. So I think that that's really interesting because B2B and social is is earlier than consumer. You know, it, yes. it's still it's still in its infancy. You might argue that they're all in their infancy, but really, this is really in its infancy in terms of uh, companies that have done it well and have really managed to scale it. Talk to me a little bit about how B2B and social media is different from consumer. I think the objectives are different. You know, I think when in consumer, and, you know, I'll, I'll use my former General Mills experience, you know, they're trying to move products that cost a dollar, four dollars, you know, so they're thinking sheer volume. They're saying, look, we're launching a new, you know, bar um, that's going to be sold at Target and Kroger. How do we get one million people to buy this bar over the course of a year? And that's good for business, you know, so you're dealing with really, 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 really high volumes of low cost things versus B2B where it's the complete opposite. You're dealing with, you probably may not have as many people buying your product because your product is really, you know, differently priced. Right. When you're starting to look at enterprise software, it can range based on what you're selling, how many people are using it, how many locations. Um, and the selling cycle is different. You know, you can just go into like a CVS and say, oh, I want to eat that delicious Lindor truffle, plop down a buck and, and you walk out. But software, it's, you know, anywhere from a year to, to 18 months to two years, depending on what you're doing. So it's a totally different beast just from a time perspective. And there's far fewer decision makers. I mean, when you're looking at people who can decide to buy uh, a cupcake, it's basically everyone can go walk in and buy a cupcake. But when you're B2B, it's really, it's not even just marketing to the other business. It's marketing to the decision maker in that business or people who would be apt to be relevant for that product. Exactly. And, you know, with, with, with consumer goods, you know, it's working because you see a sales lift in the markets that you're doing your things. You know, it's just cause and effect. And, um, you know, you can certainly enhance your results by doing things like online coupon distributions or influencer programs where you've got specific coupon codes so you can see who's more effective. But, you know, on the B2B side, you really have to use your own metrics in-house to track things. You know, there's much more um, analytics behind it. So awareness works awesome in social on the consumer side. But on the B2B side, now you start to have to think about lead gen and demand gen and like right. developing nurture channels that align with your emails. And and the traditional nurture stream doesn't really work for organic social because everyone's at a different point in their quote unquote buying journey on your social page. So you can't really match the content to where someone is. You just kind of have to hope that what you're putting out is relevant and interesting right. enough to keep them coming back to you as opposed to paid social, which is super effective on the B2B side, especially on LinkedIn. For sure. So tell me a little bit about what Pegasystems does and the approach you're taking. So I'd love to hear about some of the stuff you're doing with LinkedIn and how you're how you're approaching and using paid social as well sure. as organic. So Pega, and I'm going to use the, the shorthand, is um, a 30-year-plus software company. We were um, founded by our current founder and CEO, Alan Truffler. He is a brilliant man. He was a um, world chess champion. 
It is a fun fact. And he actually developed his first kind of computer programs because he wanted to figure out how to get a computer to play chess against him. Um, And, you know, smart guy surrounded himself by smart people and built this entire company based off of um, business process management for the enterprise. And what happened is the technology that we have is so strong that you can actually sit pretty much anything on top of it. And the sweet spot for us right now is is CRM systems. Mm -hmm. So we have really impressive customer service and call center software that are operating some of the biggest brands globally that you've heard of, um, you know, across the world. You also have you know, marketing systems where we use predictive analytics to offer very, very, very detailed and granular and personalized offers for individuals. So we're not looking at big data and then saying, this works for moms in Nebraska. We're looking at big data and saying, this works for Rebecca Smith in Omaha at this address. And we're able to really understand based on behaviors. Um, and you know, so we also have, um, sales and onboarding software, and then we also do a lot in the manufacturing space, um, combining CRM with internet of things technology. Mm. So a lot of stuff in, in warranties, things in cars, things that you'd be very familiar with if you were, you know, kind of out and about, but don't realize that it's run on a pega. Got it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of what we're doing with, with, um, social, you know, it's a little bit of awareness, a lot of awareness um, and a lot of um, supporting our, our demand and our lead gen efforts. So we started some brand and marketing campaigns last year that have a ton of branded content on partners like Forbes, Fortune, Bloomberg, and Mashable. So we've used social to amplify that. Mm-hmm. We also do a lot of events and webinars and we get fantastic um registrations from organic Twitter. Um, we have a lot of the right followers on our Twitter channels. They're very interested in our webinar content. So we, we promote that. And then we have a lot of thought leadership content. We have some, you know, internet of things, thought leaders on staff. Uh, people love to hear from our CEO and founder. They love to hear from our CMO. So we publish blog content. You know, we're always churning out as much content as we can. And we use yep. social to amplify all of that. And do you have a sales force and do you arm that sales force with social tools? We do. We have a fantastic sales force um, that is is global. Um, I would say that our entire employee base, especially our sales force, are very, very engaged on our social channels. I've actually never worked at a place where people are as engaged on our channels as at Pega. So it's been really, really refreshing from coming from a place where I was trying to drag print journalists into digital yes. to a place where people are just like hungry for it. And, and the currency of, of retweets and shares coming from our own people is fantastic. And so it sounds like it's really a collective effort between thought leadership, doing some content like webinars, to, things that drive actual leads, and then really arming the sales team with what what they need to socially to participate and be involved. Absolutely. And we have a lot of really smart content that we also create with partners. So, you know, we just released a new survey with um, the CMO council. We're constantly doing um, very, very smart studies with Gartner or Forrester. And, you know, those things to me are all really rich and insights that I can then push out on social. And the nice thing too, is that these things are, they have long shelf lives. So for us, it's really the ability to kind of how do we repackage this and then how do I use it for several months uh, to continue to, to really generate that long tail effect on content. 
That's a really great approach. And I, I think it's it's good to hear. It's refreshing to have a B2B brand on because you can really talk about uh, concepts in a, in a way that actually drive leads and, and work towards kind of a, a different approach than yeah. you're looking at on the, on the consumer side. What would you say is the biggest challenge for Pegasystems in social? I think for anyone right now in B2B, the big issue is how do you convert a marketing and a sales organization, which is is very focused on target accounts and individual contact information, and shifting that mentality to social because social networks are so closed that I can tell you 100 people engage with this content, but you're now going to ask me yeah. where do they where do they work? And what I'm starting to see now is there's a lot of um, companies that are coming out that are doing CRM matching that they'll they'll match your Twitter follower with your CRM and they'll let you know how much overlap there is. And they're doing it through um, encrypted email addresses so that there's not a lot of um, distribution of private information. But at least you're starting to get a sense of of our you know social handle, X number of people are also in our CRM. So you can understand if you're succeeding or if you have some gaps. And I think the other thing I'm starting to um, see a lot is the social networks themselves are creating tools that support lead gen and nurture campaigns. So LinkedIn now has something called a lead accelerator program where you literally have to engage with different ad units to even be served up the next ones. Um, So it it mirrors what you may be doing on your email nurture. I love that. Yeah. And Twitter's doing the same thing. They have something called a, a tweet engager product, which is the exact same thing. Someone has to physically engage with a tweet to be delivered the next tweet that would have additional follow up content. That's fabulous. Oh, I love that. I really do. And so in looking at which network is the most successful, if you had to pick, I know it's sometimes like picking one of your favorite babies, but if you had to pick um, your favorite network for Pega, which one works the best and which one is your favorite personally to use? Uh, LinkedIn works the best for us. It's okay. We've got just a great ability to, to target based on the industries that we work in and the types of people that, that self-identify based on job descriptions. Um, it's really critical to our success. And it's actually our largest community as well, um, which is often rare to see. Wow. So we're, we love LinkedIn. Um, and then my personal favorite, um, I love Instagram and I love Facebook and I am not decrying the death of Facebook anytime because it just has so many people on there. And I think as people change in their lives and they become parents or they become, um, you know, retirees, everyone finds a new purpose for it, depending on where they are at in their life. Um, and you really start to see the content shift based on, on what's going on with your peer set and your friends set. Totally. I mean, I think Facebook as a company is one of the most brilliant companies out there and the purchase of Instagram anyway, really helped combat the youth challenge and all of the different things. They just, everything they, they do, I think is just really incredible. I, I totally sing the praises of Facebook all the time. Yeah. yeah and I, I love, and I love Instagram too. Cause I, I love, I don't want to overshare on Facebook. I mean, yep. I, I want to overshare on Facebook. Yeah. That's what I've got Instagram for. Yeah. Yeah. Because on Instagram you can share more and it doesn't, it's not as big a deal. Like you have to save the really important things for Facebook because <laughs> <laughs> then if it shows up, it's like everyone sees it and it's, yeah. It's yeah. I, I, also, I have a bad Facebook habit too, where I'll post something and then an hour later, I'll delete it. Uh, by the um, way, I do the exact same thing. Good. I'm not kidding. Because I'm like, wait, I don't want this. You know, like it's it's, it's not permanent. I wanted uh, to tell you like, guys. Yeah. Yep, yep <laughs> totally. Alex, we are on the same page. Well, Excellent. thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where should people follow Pega? And where should they, if they want to connect with you, where's the best place? 
Um, they should follow Pega at, at Pega. So it's P-E-G-A. Um, and my Twitter handle is Alex2001. It's a zip code, not a year. Um, so please uh, check out both. Nice. I love that. Well, Alex, thanks for being on the show today. You're one fabulous social lady. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.